Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of iCast Fireball, an actual play 5e and D&D adventure where we go through the campaign, Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, your DM for this adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Uh, yes, we are one person less today. Josh has left our table. But if you want to see a little bit about Ralph, I recommend you go listen to the after credit scene Josh and I recorded in last week's episode. So just a little teaser for those that turned it off before our outro. But let's get back to the Jank Squad here as they are picking up the pieces from this climatic, dramatic um, intense confrontation and moment that was had at Lottie's place, falling out of a 200-foot window into the ocean, surviving the treacherous rocks thanks to Fleeple's wild shape, which somehow Thomas forgets a lot that uh, <laughs> Fleeple can't do wild shape, and it's so it's such a pleasant surprise when it happens, and the final send-off of Ralph alive. We panned away as the three of you hug each other on the beach, sort of cradling each other uh, for for warmth, but also just taking a breath of fresh air as this event has now been concluded. That is where we are going to join our adventures on this week's episode. So, Lance, Fleeple, Malamara. I'm going to slightly direct the story just to begin here. Um, So we don't have to roleplay you walking up the steps, going through the city of Neverwinter, uh, trying to find a location without too much issue, maybe with a little bit of exhaustion. Lance, you use your knowledge of the city and you find a cozy, average tavern specifically trying to avoid suspicion. And you go on the northern part of Neverwinter, over the big river, away from Lottie's Place, which was more close to the southwest, away from the teleportation circle that brought you to Neverwinter, which is found in the southeastern portion, somewhat near the circus that you had where the big rift had occurred decades past in Neverwinter. You find yourself bedding down for the night, drying some clothes, warming yourself by the fire, and all of you just breathing in, breathing out, enjoying a nice hot meal of stew. (sighs) You are left to yourselves to bed for the night, and um, before you sleep, is there any conversations you wish to have? I am eating as ravenously as I can, so my teeth are a little bit occupied with that at the moment. I don't think so. I don't have anything. I think Lance is just very much in his mind because a lot of things have happened for him. Um, So he's kind of just keeping to himself. Yes. And Mal, you take your sword out and just are looking at it. You're sharpening it absentmindedly. This, This weapon doesn't need to be sharpened. But it is in plain view of Fleeple and Lance as you are in the privacy of your room. You feel it appropriate and able to be able to inspect the blade, clean it if need be. But since it is magical, it is not needed to be cleaned. But it's something to occupy your mind. 
and occupy your time. Before bed at some point, uh, Malamar would also like to ritually cast Find Familiar and resummon Zaza since um, she was um, destroyed <laughs> during that <laughs> battle from Resmir. Uh, what animal? As a pseudo dragon. Pseudo dragon again. You poof Zaza into existence. They fly overhead, their blue scales shining brilliantly, and they uh, land on your shoulders and wrap around you and nuzzle into your neck a little bit uh, as much as they can, accepting your warmth, accepting your company and companionship yet again. Zaza starts licking your cheek after a little while, expectant, and you grab into your pouch and you take out a little treat that you have for her and she nibbles on it before hopping over to the fire and curling up. If there's nothing else, we will bed down for the night then. For some completely normal dreams, right? <laughs> Fleeple, Lance, you go to bed. And Mal, as you're going to bed, you put your sword off to the side. And you feel... The sword has changed slightly, but maybe not the sword. It's maybe your connection with the sword. And although we don't have an opportunity to describe it now, it is now a plus two what? magical sword. What? Ooh. Hot dog. Uh, you don't hear anything, but you feel the coldness of air two as this realization washes over you. And you remember your previous conversation with him about how he would gift and he would give power unto you. Uh, that increases my hit modifier and my damage modifier, right? That's correct. So as we all sleep here, Malamara, I need you to roll me a wisdom saving throw, please. Let's do it. First roll of the night. Ooh, a six. Okay. Mal, you drift off to sleep. As you are drifting off to sleep, you find your mind reflecting on some of the events that seemed a little hazy at the time. Grabbing onto Resmir, grappling them, dragging them to the ocean, and those words emanating from you that were not your own. The immolation of Resmir, and how Air 2 seemed to linger as your rage persisted much longer than it has previously. And it troubles you. It troubles you and causes you to reflect. Your mind drifts off into a deep slumber and you think back. You almost fall back into memories that you have not thought of for quite some time, because they are painful. Not the memories themselves, but of the people you've lost. And as you're tossing your head a little back and forth, trying not to think about these things, you're, you hear this voice in the distance, very muffled and uh, like they're trying to reach you and just saying your name over and over. Malamara! And that last time, it's clear as day, and you... Your eyes snap open. 
Not in the tavern, but in a very familiar tent with pelts and furs and blankets with the morning light shining into the tent. And you look up into the face of your grandmother back in your home encampment. She says to you, Malamara, if you don't get out of bed, you will be late and you I'll have to do your, your chores for myself yet again. Now get out! And she smacks you with a wooden spoon on the head. Conk, conk! And uh, keeps smacking you until you roll out of bed. Conk, conk, conk! Get up! Get up! All right, right now, all right, Malamara! All right! Come on! Come now! Come! And hurry! You're heading off! Now get your things, get your sword, get your whatever you need, but come along. It dawns on you. This isn't a vision. This is a memory. Almost word for word. And yet you felt the wood smack your head yet again. And it's exactly as you remember. But you feel your body, you feel the things around you, and it's visceral and real. As you feel the cold against your green skin, you feel your face, your fangs are almost shaved down. They are very not pronounced. You're trying to hide them. And you get your clothes on, your stature being a little less than as you went to sleep last night. It's starting to feel less like a memory and more like a reality. Like this is... Who you are. This is your day. This is Malamara. You are a member of Kievki, your clan at the spine of the world. Village life starts early, so she reaches over at the foot of her bed, would be her staff, her long wooden staff with a, a stone point on it that has different feathers and different trophies from, from previous kills. She grabs her sack that's always by the foot of her bed. It has a bedroll, it has extra clothes, extra rations, a couple of different scents ready to go out on a moment's notice out to her hunting blind if necessary. Instinctively, she reaches for the sword she's strapped to her back underneath her cloak. Does she have the gift from Ertu? Instinctively, you're grabbing your sack, your stone point, you're doing that, you grab to your side, and you feel something there, and you look, and you don't remember getting this sword, but it's wrapped up all in bandages, and you're like, uh, no time to think about that, but uh, you have to go, but you have this sword, and it is the sword from Air 2. You rush out, and there is a bustle. As you said... Clan life starts early, and it is well past early morning, and the food and the breakfast and is almost getting tossed out. You quickly rush, and you run over there, and uh, you grab a bowl of something, and this woman just looks at you, and she smacks your hand with a spoon. She goes, Malamara, sleeping in. You'll be the death of the clan of us all, Malamara. Come now. Finish up your meal. Finish it up. Who is it, Mal? Or Mickey? This is Hildy. She acts almost like a village chef that the hunters bring in all the food and then a group of cooks 
make it up and then divvy it back out. This is very much a village that shares everything. It's a community of sharing. Everything that bring, is brought in is sent back out. And not only is she a cook from this particular meal, it's uh, that's just her responsibility this morning. She's the head matron of the entire Kievki clan. Um, and so she, her words heart, while harsh, maybe not hold a lot of weight, but uh, you can't really stand up to the head matron here. And so you just uh, apologetically like run, like uh, bow back and uh, finish your meal real quick with your fingers and just shoving it in as you are trying to find Grant. You're trying to run over and find Grant before he heads out without you uh, because he needs to be, he needs you or rather you need to go with him is rather what it is. You bump into a few people who are uh, skinning some animals. Uh, some are preparing hides and they yell to you. A younger gentleman, just slightly older than you, who's uh, preparing one of the hides and goes, uh, Hey, orc girl, make sure you bring us something big this time. And uh, who was that that just reached out, that yelled out to you? She snorts at Ingmar. He is one of the, I don't know, the leader of her bully gang, even though he is an adult and she is very much not. By perpetuating his hate of her, the others around him kind of feed off of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, very uh, almost high school, but this is more life and death than high school. And this clan, uh, as he yells that at Orc Girl, um, some of his buddies who are also preparing these hides just kind of chuckle to each other. Uh, they yell, Orc Girl, after you. Yeah, Orc yeah, Girl. Bring us something. Yeah, Orc Girl. Very demeaning, very rude, and uh, you, you, it's just one of the many things you have to shrug off. Before you head out, you have to make sure that you talk to Laren, though. So you go and find Laren, your grandfather. And what's he doing this morning? At a certain point in the Kievki, it is not, your bodies are just not able to go out on the hunts and be able to go out and serve a purpose outside of the village. And so within it, they have to find different, almost daily tasks to be working on. And Laren has always been very gifted with carving and so he carves a lot of the almost weapon maintenance he does he does staffs of spears and he does tent poles but he also digs into the art of the camp you know in sociology you have once food and shelter are taken care of then you start to be able to decorate and so as much as he does the practical things he is one of the foremost artists of the kievki currently and as you walk up to him he uh he's has finished some of the other more uh necessary items and you see him carving uh, a small little totem actually a totem now what is the kievki is that representative of something is that an animal or the kievki means the claw and so the like claw of the dragon that is its foremost hunting, it's for its protection, it's for its attack. And so to, to have life and to give life, you have to protect it. And in a dragon, that is one of its biggest weapons for protection. And as you walk up, you run up to him um, and uh, needing to say something, needing to say goodbye, get his blessing. Uh, he's just carving 
actually carving this bear. And it's very pretty. It's very beautiful. But it's this totem, this bear totem that he uh, is finishing. And you see next to him, there are other totems as well. Um, the eagle, a little dragon bust as well. But um, there's other totems that are recognizable to you that are unfinished. He's just happening to finishing up this bear totem in particular. As you run up to him, he looks to you like out of the corner of his eye while he's finishing up, hunched over with this knife, this massive like bear pelt on him to keep him warm and uh, cover him as the fire in front of him is blazing. And he looks down at the bear totem, you sort of questioning with a questioning look and he goes, dragons aren't the only things they have claws, Malamara. <laughs> key of key, we'd be wise to remember that. And he just goes back to whittling expectant for your words but the one who has the biggest claws is the one that goes home with a full belly as long as they're wise looks at you not foolish and aggressive fall into anyone's trap you know that as well as anybody Mal you and Grant setting those traps out there how many big cr creatures you caught out there yeah, creatures that they thought had the biggest claw. <laughs> oh, Mal. She knows that his words are meant to be teasing, and she and her grandfather have a, a shockingly loving relationship compared to most of the other adults in her life. But hearing his even joking chastisement about not being foolish or angry stings her a little bit, and she kind of shrinks into herself a little bit sheepish you heading out with Grant today we are we're gonna hit the northern ridge we've heard that there's some big game up there we're really hoping since the lower forests have been taken over by the orcs we haven't been able to hunt so we're really hoping that good. up north mm -hmm. we'll be able to find something good good yes uh, new area but uh I'm sure Grant will protect you as he looks up with a wry smile and he just keeps carving <laughs> Please. He takes me to keep track of him. Yeah, yeah. I know you, you say that you protect him. He says he protects you. I'm just grateful that both of you are out there together. So make sure that you, and he gets a little serious here, make sure that you always have his back. Just like I know he has yours. Always. She's a little confused at that bit of sage because that seems so obvious but he said it so seriously that it makes her really think about it for a moment alright well you better head off you've already lost a lot of the morning light um grandfather could Grant and I maybe take Falco this time I mean, we're going all the way up to the northern ridge, and it is a long way, and it's just so far to walk. Could we take the horse this time? <sighs> well, I suppose. Of course, Grant already asked that, and he already has him, so uh, seems like great minds act alike. But you, go, go on and get, all right? Just go ahead and get up. Uh, you're going to miss all the light, and you won't be back in time for supper. She throws her arms around him and gives him a kiss on the 
cheek. Oh my, oh gosh. <laughs> a very human Mal. gesture that she sees yes. other people doing. Ah, oh, Mal, you gotta remember you're a little stronger than you, than you realize, okay? My brittle bones can't handle a hug like that all the time. Uh, he he hugs and nestles into you again, and he gives you a kiss on your forehead. I love you. And this feeling of the importance of saying that washes over her. She doesn't know why. But in this moment, something that she can't quite put her finger on makes it seem like that's the most important thing that she could possibly say to him. And so she says it again more seriously, really looking at him. I love you. He grabs your hand and he just squeezes it. He just looks at you and uh, he keeps the eye contact for a good moment. All right, now go ahead and get. Go on. She runs off to the staging ground where all of the hunters are gathering to go off on the hunt. And uh, you you rush upon Grant, and we'll jump a little bit ahead in time here, because you and Grant have broken off from the other hunters. You do better on just the two of you, because the other hunters, well, frankly, they don't wish to hunt with you. Um, you've heard them whisper under their breath uh, things like, she scares all the wildlife away. She's not stealthy. She can't, uh, she can't keep her own feet quiet if she's standing still. And uh, other things as well, like, I'm not going to be with her out in the middle of nowhere where she can kill me and claim it was a hunting accident. Other things like, she frightens me. Her kind destroyed my family. And it's better for you and Grant to go alone most of the time. And this time is no exception. Grant and you, um, Grant has always been one to put you at ease, though. He uh, is a human, and he's your half-brother. And at that point, he's saying, uh, he's finishing a story about Ingmar. <laughs> he said, uh, uh, and it wasn't a, uh, for a few hours until Ingmar realized he'd, port, he'd put... Uh, dung in his hair and not horse wax you didn't <laughs> I, I did Stop! i did all right Grant, that's amazing yeah it was it was pretty great it was one of my better moments i'll say that oh man um he was so embarrassed he didn't even uh, come after me but uh i just hope he didn't take it out on you for whatever reason not any more than usual well that's that's something, I guess. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, we have a few traps set out already. How about, um, how about we, uh, how about we practice a little bit, huh? We could just practice, uh, you know, a little bit of sparring with each other, right? Like, sure, we're hunters and gatherers, but we, we know that at any time we could be ambushed by those orcs, right? It's, it's important for us to keep up all those skills. You know Grandfather doesn't like it when we spar. Or when you spar I know with he me. doesn't like it, but I don't like I wouldn't like it if those orcs came back for our family. Okay? Come on. Let's just practice a little bit, okay? Not too much. Not too crazy. But what but if 
I could. I've been trying. Okay, I've been trying some stuff out. Okay, that's what I'm trying to get at. I wanna, I wanna show some things off. She rolls her eyes and smiles. <sighs> okay, fine. Let's do it. Great. And he swings a sword right at you. Let's roll initiative. Ooh. A, a twenty-one. Wow. That was a lot better than my first roll of the night. That beats his fifteen. Ha-ha! <laughs> so he swings his sword at you, but it's a wide swing, and you just jump back and go, hey! And you get your weapons out. What weapon do you pull out? In her memory, she reaches out for her spear, and that's what her deja vu tells her she should do next. But as she reaches out and grips the air instead of her spear... She finds that her other hand has drifted back and is unsheathing that long blade almost by itself. Oh, pulling out the heavy ones. All right, all right. I've got one too. Uh, and he's pulling out this massive great axe that he's wielding uh, with both hands. And he he's very strong. He is stronger than you. And he is one-handing this with a, like, a little flourish and... Back and forth, and he smacks it into the snow. The impact alone is enough. And he goes, All right, let's just remember, let's just keep it a little bit civil, all right? Mm hmm, sure. I see you've been practicing behind my back. I saw that flurry. <laughs> well, it's your go, Mal. What are you going to do? She is going to do a flurry with her blade as well, and then thrust at. Grant in a very easy parry. He should be very, it should be very easy for him to parry it away. Okay, go ahead and roll an attack. That's a um, thing. It's a, it was a 15. 15, that is a hit actually. So go ahead and roll damage. 10 points of damage. Ooh, okay. So you do some 10 points of damage to him. He goes, whoa, all right. Okay. And it's just some blood, like a little bit of blood. Maybe you need to swing your axe a little harder. As he does, as he says, whoa, okay, all right, all right. And he goes, how about this? Uh, It was actually, he's going to be performing a fainting attack from the battle master maneuvers. And he's going to use his bonus action to faint. And he has advantage against you now. Huh. Which was good because he rolled a two on the first one. Does a 21 hit? It sure does. Okay, so what he gets to do now is he gets to roll damage plus his superiority die that he expended here, which I believe is a D10. Nope, uh, D8. New class, who dis? <laughs> I like that you, you did a whole new class for this. I did, I did. I have to figure out players' abilities as well. <laughs> So his superiority die, he rolls a five on the die, and then he's going to roll damage, which is going to be another five. Three, so that's 13 points of slashing damage. So he goes that and he goes, ha ha. And he sort of like kicks you back and goes, ah, how do you like that, huh? How do you like that? And he's just like kind of fancy footwork around you. You can't see where I'm hitting you from. You can't see me at all. And as much as she enjoys his taunting, she starts to get a little upset. She gets, uh, starts to get a little angry. 
and the sword that she's holding starts to smoke that inky blackness a little bit. Okay, well, it's your turn. 12. 12. As you roll a 12, it does not hit. And uh, you start, uh, which makes sense, you're starting to get a little ruffled. You're starting to get a little, little rageful. And you're not used to your rage. It's very foreign to you, and you've been told, hide it, push it. Conceal, don't feel. Don't let it show. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're pushing it down, and as a result, it's just like, ugh, you're not focused in. You're not focused. And that's why you're swinging wildly, and he goes, <laughs> He is going to then, he's then going to uh, take his turn, unless you'd like to do something else on your turn with your bonus action or movement. With swinging wide, the blades just goes right over his head. And even though she's holding back, it's still irritating that he didn't even try to block it. He didn't even try <laughs> to leap away. He just like, he just was standing there and I just fully missed. With his reaction, he's actually gonna um, perform a repost. And he is, when, because you missed, he goes, ah, I gotcha. And he's gonna spend a superiority die again to make a melee attack against you here to see if he can get you. Uh, does a 16 hit? It does not. Uh, you're able to block it, thankfully. Uh, you're getting your senses. You're trying to sharpen your mind uh, senses back into this. And you're like, okay, I'm back in it. And he goes, ah, I almost had you there. You can finish your turnout if you'd like. As that anger is starting to grow, that inky blackness that's on the sword surges up her arm and down across the ground and slowly starts circling Grant's legs as, unbeknownst to her, she casts Hex on him. Ooh, okay. With her bonus action. And he's as he's dancing, the inky blackness is dancing with him back and forth. And he is not speaking now. He is just going to, he's going to go at you and go, ah, uh, and just sort of like do this yell, this, this battle cry, but uh, uh, more of like a uh, focusing in like, Hoo-ah! and he's going to try and perform a pushing attack. But before he can do that, he has to try to hit you. Oh, 22 to hit. That hits. Okay, so now that he's hit you, he's going to expend a superiority die. This is his third one that he's using to try and push you back. So damage is going to be 14 points of damage. And then you have to succeed on a strength saving throw here. That's a 22. Okay, so that's a success. He tries to, uh, he attacks you. He actually gets some skin and he, but most of the damage you're doing is, although it's technically slashing damage, it's uh, it's more good natured, like let's beat each other up bludgeoning wise. And like, let's try and like, let's not like leave cuts exposed to the elements and things like that. So he hits you with the butt of uh, his great ax here, but uh, against your armor, he does come down against it, uh, trying to push you back. And then he jumps in the air and tries to kick you. But as he kicks you, you just block him with your arms so you don't get pushed back, and he just stands in place. And he goes, all right, all right. Uh, He's going to take a second wind at this point and just take in, and he goes, all right. And that's going to be his bonus action. He's going to heal. Well, he only heals five health points. I rolled a one on the die. Oh, no. (laughs) That's never good. Ones are never good. He's only taken 10 damage so far, so we're good there. All right, and he goes to you. 
She's trying to keep it good-natured because she knows that this is her brother. She knows it's not an enemy. But something about this inky blackness is just completely clouding over her brain. And she goes to cut at his leg as fast as she can without holding back. Okay. And I rolled a 17. 17, that's a hit. She does 10 points of slashing damage to his leg unintentionally. Ah! He grabs it, and uh, it is a little bit exposed. It is a little cut. Sorry, and Hex. I haven't used Hex in so long. That's another two points of damage, so 12 points of slashing damage. Ah! Oh, man, that stung, Mal. Um, He stands up, though, and his face has changed a bit, too. He's realizing, okay, all right. We said we wouldn't take it too hard. We'd try and keep it easy, but uh, his face is hardening a little bit like yours. He is going to try again. He's going to attack you. Ooh, he rolled a three plus seven is 10. It's a miss. That is a miss. But he is going to action surge here. So the first one he does, he uh, he goes right for you. You block with your sword against his battle axe, blade coming towards you, hence why you blocked. But he's going to action surge and roll again. Ah, not much better. Just a 13. Does that hit? No, it does not. Ah, dang. All right. And he, uh, ching, ching, blocking. You are both intense now. It has changed from being good-natured to, now let's see what we could really do, okay? And it goes to you. Mal will flurry around her head and then do several types of jabs at him all of which miss. He's just dancing around her blade and in frustration, she slams the point of it into the into the snow and out erupts those tendrils of Hadar. And she unintentionally casts arms of Hadar on him. Oh, so what does he have to roll? That is a strength save. Strength save. He is strengthy. 13? That is exactly my spell save, Daisy. Okay, so he saves, thankfully. No, but he still takes six, eight. If it's 12 points of damage, he takes half, so he takes six points of damage as those tendrils rise up around him and pulse as it sucks some of that life force from him. He's a little hurt, but he's he's got a lot of vitality still, so he's, uh, he's not in any danger here. Um, but he's... Uh, and just cuts these uh, tentacles and it's his turn, yes? Mm-hmm. Mal, what the heck is going on? What do you have here? What is this? Come on, tell me! And he is going to um, attack you. <gasps> Gosh dang it, that's a 13. Oh, you're rolling so poorly. So terrible here. Do I only get one action surge? Yep. Oh, duh. I've been, been forgetting about his extra attack. Okay. Ooh. So, um, my bad. So, that was his first attack. It was a miss. Oh, but his second is even worse. He rolls an 11. So, he's trying to get at you, but now he's blinded a little bit by the rage here. And he goes for you. Whiff on your left side. Whiff on your right side. And he's trying to push you back and sort of, like, kick you, but is unable to. It is now your turn, Mel. Being in battle, she is now completely blinded to the fact that Grant is her brother 
and not her enemy. All she sees before her is an opponent. She, her eyes black over with this rage that she usually keeps so contained and so in control and so uh, pushed down, just really bubbles to the surface. And so that hex around that was dancing around Grant actually floods down and spreads out across the snow, leaving visible prints in the snow as she drops it and she enters a full rage as a bonus action. And she recklessly attacks with that blade and just takes slice, slice at him, even though it's only one attack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go for it. Uh, That's like a 24, 25 to hit. 24 is a hit. That's 18 slashing damage as she just blindly is starting to hack at him, no longer training, no longer lightheartedly, really slashing at him and getting lost in the rage herself. Uh, with that, he yells out to you uh, at the end of your turn. He goes, Mal, snap out of it. Come on, Mal. And he's going to faint again and roll with advantage here. You would already get advantage because I, I oh, because attacked reckless. recklessly. Okay. Then he's not going to worry about that. He is then instead going to Great Weapon Master attack you. That's a 19 to hit because that the minus hits. five. I rolled a 24 minus five. To, so that's going to be plus 10 to the damage here. He is going to try to wail in you and he is going to expend a superiority die to try to trip you uh, to do a trip attack. So that's going to be seven on the superiority die plus seven plus three. So that's going to be 17 points of damage to you. And this is slashing. It's going right into you. And I need you to make another strength saving throw, which I know you have. It's really high. Uh, Yeah, that's a 22. Okay. And then he's going to, because he didn't trip you, he's going to try attack you again with the second attack. Also with advantage, natural 20. Mm, Natural 20. So that is going to be another 10. Oh, Add 10 more damage from the to the last attack because of that. And let's see, what is he going to do? What's he going to do? He's going to try and trip you again. So that's going to be one on the superiority die, one on the damage. But both of them are, since it's a critical hit, I get to re-roll these again. In fact, I also have the feat Savage Attacker. So I'm going to re-roll these dice well, let me let me let me do the whole roll. You re-roll one of the dice again. Yes, and then yes. So I'm gonna re-roll the d12. So for our audience here, I rolled a one, a one, an eleven, and a three because it was a critical hit. Um, I'm gonna re-roll the first one on the d12. Much better. Nine plus one is ten. Plus eleven is twenty-one. Plus three is. 24 plus 10 is 34 damage um, to you from that critical hit. You still up? No. Okay. And so he pushes you down to the ground. You are unconscious. And as you fade in and out, he just calls to you distorted. And you come to (gasps) having taken a crap load of damage. Oh, 
I have a relentless endurance. So instead of going to zero, I drop to one. So I'm. So yeah. you you drop to one. You come back, and he just goes, Mal, stop, 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 Mal, Mal. As you're trying to get back up, your hex is gone. Your hadar is gone. The imprints in the snow. He's thrown his weapon off to the side, and he's grabbing your face and goes, Look at me, Mal. Look at me, Mal. Breathe. Breathe with me. And she has that sword in her hand. She's still raging, and she still has Air 2's sword, and just heavily breathing that. And she, like, is looking, even though Grant is right in her face, she's, like, staring right through him as that rage is just surging inside of her. And finally, all of that damage and all of that, this entire thing, something clicks in her brain that she is out of control. And she drop literally opens her hands and lets that sword drop to the snow and as it lands it expends another burst of that black inkiness right back into the sword and she falls back into the snow and just like lays there and breathes until she calms herself down just (sighs) i told you that was a bad idea (sighs) yeah um Next time, how about we listen to you, okay? <laughs> that was, uh, was a little bit uh, further than I wanted to take it. And um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm sorry. That was, that was out of line for me. Um, he gets uh, some uh, a salve, and he starts rubbing it not only on him, but he starts tending to some of your wounds. And he goes, Just let me take care of it, okay? And Mal, you know that you know, Grandpa tells you that your rage is not to give into it, right? Like the, that you're two parts of very different worlds, human, orc, and that it's your choice to decide which one you want to live in. And he just pauses and lets that hang in the air and he stops like moving for a little bit. And he pauses so much it brings attention to it and you look over to him. And he just says, I'm just saying, I'm not sure you have to choose between the two of them, but maybe just choose the good things from both of them, okay? Mal sits up straighter from the recumbent pose that she was in while he was healing her. And she kind of shifts away from him a little bit. She goes, there is nothing good about my orc side. And then she spits into the snow, spits some blood into the snow next to her. That's how we got here. Look at us. The only good is human. His mouth is pursed as he's uh, slowly nodding his head back and forth, like looking down into the snow. Well, um... Garrett's gonna kill us if we we don't check on some of our traps, traps, right? Yeah, yeah. And she'll whistle for her real pseudo-dragon Zaza to circle down as Grant does the same for his red dragon, pseudo-dragon. We jump to a horrific moment in time because as you and Grant were getting a pretty good haul from all of your traps, it caused you to be late and you were unable to meet up with the previous hunting part, the other hunting Marty members, and so you had to camp out at night. And... The next morning, when you go to the camp, your clan, KFK, the clan is destroyed, and you don't need everything described to you. You know 
the wash basins are turned over, you know that the huts have been singed through with fire. You look away from the faces that look back at you empty and lifeless and grant hollow at this. Something seems to have left him as it might affect any sane person. All that he's filled with is anger and rage. And before he turns off yelling about how the orcs did this, how the orcs burned down the village, how you should have been here, how you could have done something, Mal, because you actually have some strength compared to everybody else. He gets on the horse and he turns to you and says, well, are you coming? Mal looks at the hand that Grant is offering to her to pull her up onto the horse. And she knocks it away and goes, what? What are you going to do? You think you're going to go kill an entire orc army by yourself? Our parents are dead. Our clan is dead because of those monsters. All they know, as he points over to the ridge to the south where uh, the orcs possibly are, all they know is mindless violence. They feel nothing. They care about nothing. And they can't help it. It's in their nature. And for the first time in Mal's life, she can see herself reflected back in Grant's eyes. And quietly she says, my nature, you mean. And as they're glaring at each other, Grant does not deny it. He's looking at her like she's one of them, like that mindless, emotionless monster. And he pulls his hand away, staring at you, tears streaming down his face. You should have saved the Mal. And he gallops away, leaving you alone amidst the remnants of the KFK clan. The ground in the spine of the world is too frozen to dig graves. And because the KFK, like many other nomadic tribes of the area are by nature nomadic. And so having a physical grave does nothing. And so as a burial ritual, many of the nomadic tribes build funeral pyres. And so over the next several hours, Malamara gathers all of the kindling that she can, all of the burnt canvases, all of the wood stock that they had and builds up these funeral pyres. And one by one, she pulls every man, woman, and child that she has ever known in her entire life onto these funeral pyres. And the very last thing she can bring herself to do, she picks up the bodies of her grandparents and lays them to rest on the last two pyres. And they're, they're just stacks and stacks of bodies as everybody in her entire world is now on these pyres. And she sets them alight. And she watches them burn all night, that smoke and that the feel of the heat of the flames searing into her very nature as she watches everything she's ever known 
go up in smoke. As her, as her grandparents' bodies catch fire, she sits down on a stump a, a bit away from the pyres and lets them burn completely out all night. And as the, the sun rises that next morning, the cinders of those fires are still burning. And Malamara has clutched in her hand the carving knife that her grandfather always used on all of the carvings that he did for the village. And Mal, exhaustion takes you. You pass out right then and there, not caring if you live, not caring if you die. And you drift off, blessedly, to sleep, to nothingness. Not for long, though, because you're almost rustled awake as someone trips over your body. You sit up from your laying position and hand immediately goes to your sword. And everything is dark around you. The person that trips over you goes, Oh, oh please forgive me. Please forgive me. <laughs> please forgive me, devil. I didn't mean anything by it. Didn't mean anything by it. And uh, starts to like crawl, almost crawl back away from you. And you just stare, stare at them, but it's hard to make them out. It, you wouldn't be able to make him out if you didn't have dark vision because this room is barely lit and all you see are strangers around you some human tieflings halflings a gnome you just see strangers and uh, another uh, an older gentleman in some patchwork armor comes up to you and goes hey devil you're up next. They'll be coming for you. You might want to prepare yourself. Mal rubs her eyes and tries to help her dark vision refocus. And he, she actually grabs the, sh- the front of the tunic of the last person who spoke to her and pulls her close to her face. And she goes, how dare you? And she knows what that rage can do especially having this recent memory of her, the demise of her tribe because of her rage. (sighs) She slowly lets go of the man's tunic. Up next for what? Where am I? Don't you know already? Miss, you're in the arena. We're going to cut away from Mal there. Fleeple and Lance, you wake up after a good night's rest, actually. It's... Very refreshing, and you uh, are stretching and getting things worked out. Lance, you're sort of like composing yourself, and Fleeple, you're composing yourself when you look over to Mal's bed, and it has not been slept in. That's not good. And she is nowhere to Um, be seen. Did you see what... Did you see her go to bed last night? Uh, I thought maybe I did, but looking back, I was really tired after all of that, and I might have just zonked out as soon as I my head hit the pillow, you know? As both of you go downstairs and you ask the tavern keep, the tavern keep goes, Uh, half-orc lady? Big ol' sword? Yeah, she left, like, before we even closed down last night, and I haven't seen her since. She is looking awfully strange, though, and, um... Everybody kind of gave her a wide berth. 
Yes, she has that effect on people. Did you see which direction she happened to go by any chance? Honestly, she looked like she, uh, she looked like she was on her way to kill somebody, so I kind of stayed away. Oh, no. And that is where we're going to end this week's episode of I Cast Fireball. That's news to me. Mm-hmm. We had a mal-heavy episode, folks. Woo! Got some fun stuff going on there. Super fun. Where did Mal go? What's she doing? Did she kill somebody? <laughs> it's it's likely, but you know, let's not assume here. Let's let's uh, find well, out. I mean, just given Mal's track record of you know dealing with <laughs> hostages and whatnot. <laughs> well, what we will saying? find out. Hopefully, definitively on the next episode of I Cast Fireball. I want to thank all my players here, especially Ned and Jacob, for taking a backseat this episode so that Mal could really come to the forefront here. So, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking that moment and taking that time. But I want to thank you, listeners, as well, for giving us a shot, giving us a chance, and following along on this wonderful adventure. We are so stoked to give you more fun backstory fun content just into this adventure and we hope you like where we're going in the next direction if you do like where we're going please leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice uh you can uh let us know things that you like elements you're you're wanting to see in the show as well you can also shoot us an email at icastfireball2020 at gmail.com to also get those things going uh, i'm pretty confident that for a future crunch squad episode we're going to be following through on creating a monk crunch squad episode uh as per requested by somebody that emailed us so shoot us some emails and let us know what you got going on there and what you would like us to see going on as well uh since it's coming up here i want to let everybody know that i cast fireball at least part of us will be at SaltCon 2023, March 2nd to 5th is when we're going to be there. Me and Jacob are going to try. Uh, I'm going to be there. Jacob is most likely going to be there. We'll see if we can get Ned and Mickey out there, but them being in different states, we'll have to see. So if you're in the Utah area, come give us a, come give us a hello, and we'd love to sit down, play some games with you, maybe even do a D&D session there, do an Adventures League adventure. It'd be super fun. I'm actually going to be dungeon mastering there, so uh, love to see um, anybody there that might be popping up. Also, wanted to give a shout out to Improv Tabletop where they are having a fantastic run in the Avatar Legends universe. Don't forget to give them a listen and leave them a five-star review before you head on out. Lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow Wacky Adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM, and around the table we've got... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Filippo. Let's keep that fire going, and we'll see you all next time.